All right. Good morning to you. We have already had church. I am very aware of that. You know, it's, amen. It's today's, it's days like today that make me very glad I'm a part of the Dorsville Baptist Church. We have worship. We've been family. We've been honest. And we've been loving, we've been accepting. It's all the things that Jesus would want in a church. And I am very grateful to be a part, to be a pastor uh, here at Dorsville. And I guess the big news is that my sisters are here. And many of you have already met them and fallen in love with them. I said, do not get attached to them. Uh, We are sending them back down south. But, you know, this whole weekend has been a... You can ask them. It's been a really weird weekend for me emotional-wise. I, I couldn't put a thing on it until I was sitting on the front row, and I finally got it. The last time I felt these emotions, I think, was all the way back in Cobden. And um, unknown to me, uh, Myron Summers and his wife had come down and listened to me preach and the possibility of you guys extending a call. And that Tuesday night, Donnie Billman called me and said, Hey, you know, we're thinking about, you know... You know, you being our pastor, and, you know, we're going to have some people coming down to hear you preach. And so from that point on, now, we, we're large enough where it's not uncommon to have visitors. But from then on, I'm going, oh, there they are. And you, and you wonder if they're going to like you or not. Well, this is the first time my family has really come up to, to my world. And I knew they were going to fall in love with you and you with them. But I'm wondering what they're going to think of my world. And so I've been going all these, you know, if we're honest, all these weird emotions. But I really am glad that you guys are here. Though I have to tell you the truth. And this, listen, what I'm about to say is the truth. Will you believe me? The truth. So I told Jesus this morning, I had the strangest dream. And this is true. I'm not being funny. And so she said, what? And I said, I was being held captive by militant terrorists. And I just wondered, you know, was there any connection with that? I didn't know. <laughs> the good news is I did finally escape. Well, listen, you already know today about, you know, the theme of the series is being honest. You, you've got that. And today we want to talk about I'm afraid. If we're honest, I'm afraid. And this is such, I am convinced, you know, David does a wonderful job of finding music that goes along with the sermon uh, theme, you know. He had no problem coming up with songs today about fear. And, and the reason why is it's such a big deal in our lives. Um, you know, all of us have things that we fear. If we're honest, you know, we're fearful. And, you know, we try to tie in a, a superhero. And, and this week's is Captain America. Now, he normally wears a red mask. And I pulled the red mask out, but my grandkids are really beat it up pretty bad. And so I think I said I'll go the Captain America blue mask. But anyway, just like she said, like, like Katie said, you know, we put this mask on. And we put this mask because, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're so, oh man, was she beautifully candid today. And, and when you do that, you're so afraid, you know, what will people do? What, how will people respond to that? And so when we're afraid, we put on this, this mask. And, and, you know, if you know anything about the Marvel heroes, and throw that one up, Patty. You know, they call him Iron Man because he wears an iron suit. Okay, and almost he's almost invincible when he straps on this suit. But then, if you look inside the suit, and in the next picture, Patty, you'll see a guy, and a guy really, and you see he's kind of beat up there, and he's got the love of his life there. And if you're honest, when you when you look inside the suit, you see a guy who was afraid, 
And that's so often. How often do we go down the hallways of church or school or Walmart and, and we look around and we, how are you doing? I'm fine. And inside you're dying. Inside you're so afraid of, of what's going to happen. And so this is a really big, big topic. And so I really hope that God will give us enough time today to get through this. We're not going all the way through the sermon sheet. We already figured that out. Um, but we're going to hit the first part and hit the second part tonight. You know, we just finished this cruise. And, and you know... A lot of the crew, or a lot of the, I'm sorry, a lot of the passengers and crew were from Puerto Rico. And they're, they're of course, American citizens. Um, and, and again, just like America's a melting pot, so were they. Um, some, some looked just like me and some had darker skin, you know. Um, but, but they all were Puerto Rican Americans. And so it was really hard to differentiate, you know, when you want to talk to someone, you want to find someone who speaks English. And so, you know, you find some people that look like you. And time after time, I would walk up to a person and say something, and they'd go, Espanol? You know? And I'm going, English? You know? It was amazing. Well, well, well there's this one lady. There's a little old lady, you know, and I was on one of my roles. You know, sometimes I do crazy things. So I walked up, and I, and I was feeling particularly spiritual that day, tongue-in-cheek. And so, and then, and here she comes, and she has a lanyard on. A lot of people had their C-Pass, you know, their little ID card, and they put a lanyard on. And it said, I love Jesus. So she looked like me. So I assumed she talked like me. And so I woke up and I got right in her face and I said, so do I. And she got And I said, she goes, what? I said, so do I. And I, she goes, what? And I pointed to her lanyard and said, love Jesus. And with fear in her eyes, I've got to figure it out, it's probably in her face. And, and, and with fear in her eyes, she goes, no understand you. <laughs> no, understand you. And one of those times when she looked like me but spoke a totally different language. Well, you know, fear is like that. You know, fear comes from different avenues and places. Sometimes, you know, you're sitting there and, and um, you hear a siren. You know your kids are on the road and, and it pops into your head. Sometimes it's fear about your job. Uh, is this a day that the coal mine is going to decide that I'm the next one? Um, sometimes it happens with your health. You're sitting there and all of a sudden you have a bad headache or your heart flips as we call it and you, oh no, is, it, is, you know, is something wrong with me? You know, it looks at different places. Fear comes from all directions but it speaks a common language. It may look different, but it speaks a common language. The Puerto Rican folks all spoke Spanish. A lot spoke English, but they all spoke Spanish. Well, fear has a common language. And the number one is this. What if? What if? How many times have you said that? In fact, so funny, we were talking to someone today. I was talking to someone today. And, and I said something like, well, what if? And I said, oh, no. I said, oh, no, this isn't the message today. All we were saying, what if? What if it's leukemia? What if my kids are not safe? What if I lose my job? What if retirement's not enough? What if, what if, what if? That's the language of fear. And of course, secondary to that and right under it is, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I honestly believe I'm somehow afraid. That how would y'all respond to my world that you've never been into? And I'm dealing with kind of a, an inward fear with that. You know, what if they heard me preach and said, really, you've been doing that for 35 years? Really? <laughs> you may want to go back to some school. I don't know. You know, what if? What if? And so today, and we're going to take the time to go through the first part of this, but today we want to look at fear 
We're going to look at the origin of fear. We're going to look at how, how Jesus talks about fear. And then a great story in the Bible in Mark chapter 4 about some guys in fear. So we want to start today, if you want to get your Bibles out, in John chapter 16 and verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. And it's just loaded. It teaches us so much, okay, about, about fear. Now, let me give you a setup. Um, Jesus is in the upper room, and he's got his boys with him. He's got the disciples with him. Okay, he is hours away from from dying on a Roman cross. He's hours away from being scourged. He's hours away from becoming sin for the for the sins of mankind. He becomes sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. He's hours away from that, and he spends all this time talking and saying, "Now, by the way, guys, you need to understand something's about to happen." He wants them to know what's about to happen because Jesus knows the secret. Truth throttles back fear. Truth throttles back fear. Truth pulls back the throttle on fear. So he wants the guys to know what's going to happen because he knows they are going into a fearful situation. And the more truth they know, the less fearful they will be. It's true with us. It's true with us. The more truth we know, the more fear will be throttled back. And it's not truth about circumstances as much as it's truth about God. The more truth we'll live and know about God, the more powerful we will be in overcoming fear. So this is so good. So here they are in the upper room. Jesus shares all this stuff about what's about to happen. And they're like going, really? Really? And here's what he says in verse, six, in verse 33. I have said these things to you, those things, that in me you may have peace. That in me, you may have peace. Now, in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So he says, in me, in me, in Jesus, you can have peace. And in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Now, here is one of the big truths. If you're a note taker, write this down. Number one, if you're counting on a perfect world for your peace, you're in deep weeds. If you're counting on a perfect world so you won't be afraid, you're in deep weeds. Because there is no perfect world. I don't care whose life you look at and go, oh, the world's so perfect. No, it's the Facebook newsreels that you're reading. Every person in this room and every person hearing on the radio this morning, all of us have fears. So don't rely on a perfect world for peace. Well, Dwayne, what do I rely on? A perfect Savior. I mean, did he not say that? He said that in me, in the perfect Savior, you may have peace. So you've got to make a choice today. Are you going to wait around doing this, bumping into walls, dealing with consequences, dealing with all the different things? Are you going to do that and never have peace and always be afraid? Or are you going to put your... Now listen, big word. Are you going to put your faith and trust in a perfect God, a perfect Savior who loves you and have the peace that you're looking for? Huge, huge. Now, now you may say, well, why did, why did, you know, if fear is such a big deal, okay, and we all wrestle with it, so why did God bring fear into the world? Newsflash, he didn't. He did not add fear to the world. In fact, when, when God created the world, it was like fearless. There was no sickness, there was no pain, there was no sorrow, there was nothing. You know, Adam could walk up and give the old lion a rub on the head, and the old lion would go, 
just her way. It was a great world. But then, Satan comes along, tempts Eve, tempts Eve, then Eve sins, sin comes in the world, and that's where fear came into the world. In Genesis, and chat, you only turn there, in Genesis 3.8 it says, Then the man and his wife heard, now listen, what normally brought peace brings fear. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Why? Because for the first time they were afraid. For the first time, they knew what fear was. God didn't bring fear into the world. Sin brought fear into the world. And man has been dealing with fear ever since. Now, wonderful scripture in 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I need to write that down. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It was never in God's intention that you be a fearful person. Once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, He has never intended for us to be a fearful person. So if, I always ask this question when I teach the scripture, so if God did not give us a spirit of fear, who did? Yeah, Satan did. Satan did. Because he knows if he can keep you living in fear, you will not be a person of faith. Faith and fear can't coexist. Faith and fear cannot coexist. Both are realities but they cannot live together. Once you start fear, being fearful, you're not being faithful. And once you're always faithful, you will not be fearful. Okay? So Satan knew that. It's like, it's like a bad gift. You ever been around someone before and they have a cold and they sneeze on you? I mean, like, not like they intentionally like go, you know, wham. But, you know, they're close there and all of a sudden one of those quickies come on you. And they just explode in your face. And three days later, you got it. It's a bad gift. It's a bad gift. Well, one of the bad gifts that Satan gives us is this thing called fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Satan has. All right? And then he says this. But God has given us. And this one of the songs, David, I don't remember which song, but one of the songs that you led us in this morning so dealt with this. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Three huge things that will help us overcome this thing called fear. You know, it's God's power. The power of God lives in every believer in Christ. The power of God lives in every believer in Christ. We have the power of God through the Holy Spirit living in us. We do not have to be fear overcomers, okay? God is the overcomer. In fact, Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world. I'm victorious over the world. And then he says, the spirit of love. This unconditional love. You know, again, Katie has so learned this valuable lesson of God's love. Katie will never, I don't believe again, see herself any way besides perfect in God's love. You know, people may judge her. People may judge me. People may judge you. But through God's eyes, once you have faith in Jesus Christ, He sees you in a spirit of love. A love. Unconditional love of God. God, listen, God is not going to change his mind about you. God is not going to one day wake up and say, Oops, changed my mind. It's not his character, it's not his nature. Therefore, it's not possible. And sound mind, sound judgment. Oh, don't we wish we would have time to pause, hit the pause button sometimes, and have that sound judgment before we make a fearful decision? How many times have we been poised on the, on the precipice of a cliff and we're fixing to take a plunge and it's driven by fear? Pause. Ask God for the spiritual 
judgment that you need. Love, power, and a sound mind. You know, what someone said once, you know, if you fear God, you fear nothing else. If you don't fear God, you fear everything. If you, don't, if you fear God, you fear nothing. If you don't fear God, you fear everything. And God wants us to have this fear. And fear is a good fear. There's a bad fear, which is the kind where, where you know, our, our faith is annihilated and we're just shaking and quivering in our boots. And there's that reverent fear of God. When, when it says fear God there, it's talking about worship God, love God, respect God. Be awestruck. Be, listen, are you awestruck by your God today? Are you awestruck by your God today? You should be. You should be. Fear God and fear nothing else. So that leads us then into the boat story. Perhaps one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. It's just loaded with truths that we need to grab hold of today. So again, flip your Bibles over and it'll be on the screen. In Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35. In Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. Okay, here we go. The Bible says three words. First off, it says this, on that day. What day? What day? Okay. Jesus had spent the whole day teaching. Listen, this is important. Jesus spent the whole day teaching his disciples kingdom truths. So he gave them knowledge, okay, all day long. And on that day, when he gave them all that knowledge, he now leads them somewhere to test and apply that knowledge. Newsflash, God does that to us. When he teaches us from his word, don't be surprised when he gives you the opportunity to test what you've learned. Isn't that what we do, what Becca does in English? Teaches a truth and then gives a test to see if they've applied and internalized the truth. Well, that's the kind of day it was. And this is, this is the what-if day on that day. This is the day when you're sitting... And, and we do this. We do this. In fact, Judy may have called more than once. We'll be sitting in our living room. And all of a sudden, an ambulance goes screaming by our house. We're on the main streaking line to, for the ambulances to go by our house. It took us a while to figure out they're going out, not in. And so, a few minutes later, another ambulance... And she looks at me and I look at her and says, I wonder where Rebecca is. Particularly when they lived over on Barrett Lane. You know, what our first thought is, has something happened to the kids? Okay? That's natural. Again, if you ever had a, a heart flip thing, I mentioned earlier, you know, if there's something right, not right in your body and you just sense it, okay? Then that's, you're just sitting there and all of a sudden the fear monger comes in. Okay? That's how it works. Fear begins on a normal day and gets bigger as the clouds gather. Fear begins on a normal day, sunny day, with the what if. What if. Or perhaps you're sitting in there and something happens minor and you say, but I'm afraid of that. And all of a sudden it grows and grows and the clouds gather. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, on that day, when evening had come, and this is huge, he, he, Jesus, told them, here it is, let's cross over to the other side. All right, so if you're taking notes, you're going to write down the word promise. Promise. Don't forget the promise of God. Now the boys are going to. But Jesus says, it's more than a statement of faith, it's a promise. We're going to cross over to the other side. Verse 36. So they left the crowd and took him along, good idea, since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. So Jesus says, we're going to the other side and then they take Jesus with him. How cool is that? Now here's the deal. Don't forget the promise. That is as applicable to us as it is to them. 
Jesus made a promise to the boys, we're going to the other side. And if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's made the same promise to you. You're going to the other side. In John chapter 14, Jesus says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare that place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, Jesus never said to the boys, Hey guys, we're going to the other side, and I've checked with the weather channel, and there will be no storms. Did he say that? No. He said, we're going to the other side. Now look at me. The promise that God has given every believer in Jesus Christ is that you're going to the other side. He never promised you a storm-free life. Now, there are preachers who will stand up and say, just trust God, everything's great, you're all going to be healthy, you're all going to be wealthy, and you're all going to be wise. The trouble is, it's just not biblical. They may tell you that in Reader's Digest, I'm not sure. But Jesus did say to them and says to us as believers, we're going to the other side. So make sure you have the truth right. And the truth is, God has promised in the end, in the end, you're going to be in heaven. If you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you're going to heaven. That's the promise. Got it? There are going to be storms. In fact, what did Jesus say? He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You're going to have storms. Be ready for that. Secondly, is his presence. Not only his promise, but his presence. They said, so he left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. Never forget that Jesus is with you. Never forget. No matter how difficult circumstances get, listen, he said in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, he said, I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter how big the storm, how big the waves, how bad the circumstances, you've got a promise. You're going to the other side, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how lonely you are, no bad, uh, Katie, no matter how bad you mess up, no matter how far you fall away, guess what? He'll never leave you and nor forsake you. And by the way, can I just share something with you? That also means if you try to leave him, he's the hound dog of heaven. He ain't going to let you go. You ain't, that, that dog's going to hunt. You can't, you, you can't run far enough from God. You can't run fast enough from God. God's on your trail and He won't let you go. I'm, you, listen, God is just enamored with you. Why do you think He did the cross? He loved you so much. His Son Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. And He will not let you go. And He will not leave you. And He will not forsake you. So they get into the boat. And guess what? A storm comes. And not just a storm, a big storm. Bigger than Florence. Bigger than Florence. So the Bible says in verse number 37. Now this is so, I think this is so cool. And you know the word of God, I don't believe in accidents. Because I believe in the sovereignty of God. And nor do I believe in accidents in God's word. Okay? Now notice, it doesn't say a great storm arose. The Hebrew, I'm sorry, the Greek makes it clear that it was not like a thunderstorm. It wasn't like a, uh, you know, a lightning event. 
It was a wind storm. Isn't that interesting? A wind storm. So the wind started blowing ferociously. Okay? Now keep in mind, a bulk of these guys were, were professional fishermen, and they're in this boat. Okay? So the wind started blowing. Now, have y'all been watching the Weather Channel with Florence? Yeah. Guess what? When Florence was coming ashore, there were big waves and a big storm surge. Am I right? That's what the wind does to water. When the wind blows on water, it stirs up the water and causes large waves and causes a storm surge. So, sure enough, same thing happens. Here comes a big windstorm, okay, and it stirs up the ocean, the, the sea, okay, and there are waves, lots of them, big ones. In fact, so big that the boat was already being swamped. Whoa. Now, here's the deal. Where's Jesus? He's in the boat. What's he doing? He's sleeping. Now, you could say, yeah, see, he didn't care. Really? No. The boy's going to ask about that later. We'll get to that. But, but no, no, he's sleeping. One, why is he sleeping? He's tired. See, the one thing I love about Jesus is he was 100% God, 100% human. He got tired just like you and me. So he had had a long day of teaching. So what's he do? He get in, in the boat and he sleeps. How cool is that? Now, the question is this. How could he sleep? How could he sleep? Aha! The great secret. He knew his life was in the hands of God. He knew his life was in the hands of God. So guess what? Guess what? So is ours. So is ours. You know, if we just learned this, we would take a lot less ambient. We take a lot less ambient. All right? I'm telling you, if we just realize that our life is in, we can rest, we can sleep. You know, not depart, totally separate from the circumstances. We can sleep because of our Father. Our Father. Now, you probably already figured out I went through that pretty quick. There's a lot of good truth there. Notice again, like I said, it's a great windstorm. Isn't it ironic that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says and refers to Satan in one of his names as the prince of the power of the air? It's no accident. Oh, 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 it's no accident where they're going. They're, they're sailing into the area of the Gadarenes. I, I mentioned this not too long ago in a sermon. They're sailing to the area of the Gadarenes, which is a total pagan society. And the first guy that meets them is a demon-possessed man. No accident that there's a windstorm. The prince of the power of air decides to huff and puff and try to blow their house down. And guess what? Don't be surprised when the prince of the power of the air tries to huff and puff and blow your house down. That's what he does. That's what he does. And watch this. The threat even wasn't the wind. The threat was the waves. And let me, let me, let me just do the weather thing again. So what stirred up the waves? The wind. Who's the prince and power of the air? Satan. He calls us a windstorm and calls us the waves. Satan stirs up things around us to attempt to drown us. He stirs up things around us to attempt to drown us. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Oh, by the way, you want to know the word so you get it right? Circumstances. He stirs up our circumstances and attempt to drown us. 
Okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is huge. It says there that the windstorm comes, the principality of the air tries to swamp the boat, stirs up the waves, the circumstances, and they start to swamp the boat. Okay? Now, you're endangering a boat when what is on the outside gets on the inside. When the water on the outside gets on the inside, you start seeing the tap song. Because boats were designed to keep water on the outside and not on the inside. So water was coming on the inside and these practical thinking fishermen forgot the promise and forgot the person and said, oh my, we're going to drown. Remember this. Remember this. You've got to ask yourself the question. Are you trusting in the boat? Are you trusting the man in the boat? Come on now. Come on now. Are you going to trust in the boat? Are you going to trust your social security? Are you going to trust your health insurance? Are you going to trust your employer? Are you going to trust circumstances? Or are you going to trust the man in the boat? Come on now. I'm telling you, this is truth. This is truth. We live in a society, and I am one of them, if I'm not careful, we are in a society that tends to trust the boat and not the man in the boat. And so they became very afraid. They become very fearful. Satan's huffing and puffing. The waves, what's supposed to be on the outside, gets on the inside. And let me just tell you something. When you internalize your circumstances, you will live in fear. When you internalize your circumstances, you will live in fear. My wife and I can both tell you stories about times we wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and things are in our brain just going 900 miles an hour. It's when circumstances are internalized. Keep what's on the outside where it's supposed to be on the outside and trust the man in the boat. And trust the man in the boat. So, so he gets on. The Bible says they go back to the stern. And believe me, it was a small boat. They went to the back of the boat and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, again, write this down. Here's a real red flag. When you find yourself talking to God and you tell God, Don't you care? You're living in fear. Okay, write down. When you are, when your mental processes are such that you start saying, God, do you even care about me? And of course, about this time, I point to the cross and tell you that whenever you think God doesn't love or care for you, you just remember the bloody cross uh, that Lord Jesus Christ died on and let that be your anchor because a God who, listen, a God who doesn't love you would not send his son to die for you. If, if he didn't love you, he would have never done this. Never done this. So, so when you find yourself saying, do you care? God, do you even care? You just remember the cross. And, and you remember that's a red flag. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's messing with my brain, not he God. He's Satan. He's messing with my brain. You know, isn't it funny? Isn't it interesting? Because it says, don't you care? And what did they say? We're going to die. Now, wait, 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 wait. Did they have a promise? We're going to the other side. Now, Jesus never said, no storms, smooth sailing, call the weather channel, we're good. No, no. All he said, we're going to the other side. How can they die and go to the other side? How can they die and go to the other side? They can't. They can't. Not to mention the Son of God's in the boat with them. Guess who's in your boat? The Son of God. The Son of God's in your boat. 
But I found this very interesting. I, this is one of those things I got this morning from the Lord. I said, God, that's pretty good. Isn't it funny? When, when Satan was tempting Eve in the garden, and Eve said, well, you know, if we eat from this tree, we're going to die. And Satan said what? You won't die. Isn't it funny here? He's telling them the exact opposite. You're going to die. Isn't that what he said? Satan's whispering there, you're going to die. Don't care what the promise was. And don't care who's in the boat with you. You're going to die. Lie, lie, lie. So they wake Jesus up. And he says, Jesus says in verse 39. Now, this is good. Don't, don't go too fast over this. He got up and rebuked the wind. Now, who's the prince and power of the air? Satan. What did Jesus rebuke? The wind. And who did Jesus rebuke? Who? Satan. You serve a God who can rebuke the devil. Come on now. You serve a God who can rebuke the devil. Now, I tell you what, I don't know what God you got, but you probably need one that can rebuke the devil. And he does. He rebukes the wind and and then speaks to the sea, which is what Satan has stirred up to cause the trouble on the boat. Okay? But he always says that, peace be still. Silence be still. I'm glad, I'm glad God can rebuke the devil and is in charge of my circumstances. And you know, sometimes, sometimes he sometimes he calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his kids in the storm. Either way, you got peace. Either way, you got peace. So, so he said, silence, be still. And the wind ceased. <laughs> Satan has to when God says so. It's just, it's just a fact, you know. When you're, when you're God and you rebuke the, the lesser nothing, it just has to obey. And the wind ceased. And a calm came over the sea. And that's what he promises us. No, not every circumstance is going to turn out beautiful. But he promises the calm. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, my peace I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We had a tender moment yesterday, thanks to my sister Judy. She started out by saying, now Jennifer, one thing I want is I want you to sing for us. And then Jennifer came out, I don't want to sing if daddy sings, I ain't a singer no more, I'm a preacher. Well, they wouldn't let it go. And so Jennifer said, let's sing all holy night. I said, it ain't Christmas. No, but we sang it before. <laughs> Judy wanted Amazing Grace. I'm not sure why that one got shot down. But somehow we ended up, it is well with my soul. And I got to sing with my daughter. I'm so glad I didn't mess that one up. And then guess what God put in my brain today? It's well with my soul. See, you know the story. Horatio Spafford was a Chicago businessman. And in 1871, a couple things happened. His only son died, tragically. And then the Chicago fire came that same year and burned up everything he had. And so he tried to start rebuilding his business. And so he sent his family, you know the story, some of you. And so he sent his wife and four daughters over to England for a, probably as well going to be a restart in England. And so he gets over there, or they get over there on their way, and halfway across the ocean. Now, if you go figure this out, in 1871, 
1873 by now, and two ships collide. And all four daughters were killed. So he's lost his son, he's lost his business, he's lost his daughters. And so he gets a telegram, and it's historical fact. It simply says, saved alone. So as soon as he can, he books passage over to England and asks, and this all is true, and asked the steward to waken him when they got to the spot where the ship went down. And uh, the steward, about 2 o'clock in the morning, woke him and said, we're at the spot where the collision occurred. And in his grief and in his prayer and in his trust, he wrote this beautiful song. And the first verse says this. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When things are going well, when the sun is shining, life is good. When peace like a river attendeth my way. But then he says this, when sorrows like sea billows roam. So when things are not going well, when your son dies, when your business burns up and four daughters drown. He says, whatever my lot You have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Bethel Ministries came out with a song that our Jenny Billman just sings wonderfully. And it's called, It Is Well. And it's a takeoff of, it is well with my soul, but also much more beautiful music. And the last lines say, and through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And it is well with me. And my brothers and sisters, when Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and calmed the sea, that's the reason we can have peace in our souls. It can be well. The reason we don't have to be afraid is because the master of it all is not only on our side. He's our brother. He's our king. He's our Savior, He's our Lord, He's our rescue, He's our Redeemer. And He loves us deeply. He loves us deeply. So Jesus closes with a question. He says, why are you afraid? You know what's really funny, by the way? You remember 2 Timothy 1.7? God's not given us a spirit of fear. <coughs> Excuse me, that word fear and that word afraid are, are more than first cousins. It's just like two letters difference. Same word. Jesus says, why are you afraid? Don't you have any faith? Because remember, fear and faith can't coexist. Fear and faith can't coexist. Why are you afraid? And they were in awe. They were terrified and asked one another, who then is this that even the wind, Satan, and even the sea, circumstances, must obey him? And that's the God we serve. So God wants us to be free from fear today. And within every believer is the power of God through the Holy Spirit. That's energy. It's not the little train going up the hill that says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's rather us shouting to God, I know you can. I know you can. And I know you will. So if you're here today and you've never, and I know we didn't touch much on it, but if you've never experienced the Christ of this cross 
you know, the one that God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've never experienced that kind of love, that's the first invitation day. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. Now, I'm telling you, so many of us here today, most of us perhaps, have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. We know what he has done in our lives, how he was able to forgive our sins and allow us to call uh, God Father. And then we have this, this opportunity for the peace we talked about today because our God is greater than the enemy. He's greater than our circumstances. So that's the first invitation. Brent would love to share with you today about Jesus Christ. But truthfully and honestly, for a lot of us, we needed this today bad. We live in fear. We live in fear. And just remember, it's, something, it's a bad gift from Satan. God never intended you to live in fear. He intends you to live in peace. And your God is able. Your God is able. Let's pray. Well, Father, you gave us a gift today. I'm so glad a lot of people showed up to hear it too. Not the message, not the message. The children's preschool presentation, the wonderful worship, the incredible testimony of Katie and that wonderful song and your wonderful word. We are indeed blessed today. But now, God, would you help us to have the courage to do the right thing with this? Father, if you stirred the heart of someone today for the first time and they realize that they're not in relationship with you, that, that they're not in the boat with you, they're out treading water, trying to keep their head above water. And you want so bad to rescue them. So if there's a friend here today who needs Jesus, I pray to somehow just motivate them, just move them to step out and take Brent by the hand and say, I want to know about this God who can rebuke Satan and calm the waves. I want to know more about this God and how he can be my God. I pray for that, Lord. And Father, for all the rest of us, oh, may we be overcomers. Father, we're fixing to hear a song that says, we are no longer a slave to fear because we are children of God. Thank you for that truth. Help us to hang on to this truth. Help us to ingest this truth. Help to become part of who we are in you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.